An episode of Zamrock Firsts. Producer Billy David Nyati, who helped run Zambia Music Parlor under the direction of Edward Kuzwayo, recounts the excitement of being Zambia's first independent record label, kickstarting the country's recording industry in the early 1970s with an album by the band Tinkles. Vocalist Jaggery Chanda tells the story of Witch, Zamrock's most beloved ensemble, and the first Zambian rock group to release a vinyl record, namely the band's privately pressed edition of their debut release, Introduction. Vocalist Violet Kafula, Zambia's first female recording artist and a member of the band Crossbones, tells the story of the album Wise Man and the hit single that earned her the affectionate title The Godmother of Zambian Pop. Episode 2, The Pioneers. To start with, I would like to introduce myself who I am. My name is Abili David Nyati. In the music cycles, I was one of the top persons that promoted the Zambian music. I used to move as a music arranger. I used to travel myself to organize musicians. I could go there maybe for three, four, five days. Then I look around, ask people who are the best musicians around this place. So we started now this music business, running up and down, trying to organize musicians, buying instruments. A guitar that time was maybe 100, 150 kwacha, just for a guitar. Some, some guitars were 75 kwacha, said it was easy to organize a full set of uh, equipment. Drums were just 150, the whole set, with cymbals and uh, snares, everything. So we decided, no, let's buy our own instrument, because we had our own, our own building, whereby there was a hole. We decided, no, let's go ahead with this thing. When we just tried, we started our, because I traveled to, to Nairobi. That was uh, early 70s, 70s, 70s. traveled to, to Nairobi. He met Natural Pigeon and then went to uh, Sapra Studios in Nairobi. They recorded um, some singles like Spare Willow, uh, Apiri Anabuera. It's us who introduced that type of music in Zambia from Nairobi. Then later on, right at the same place, he met Peter Sotsi Juma. He also met uh, 
the Benson Sinde, right there in Nairobi. So I recorded with him. Wanderer Kusupampanga in Shakamulabe. We know such songs. And he brought them to us. There were records already, because Sapra was pricing records there. We didn't know anything about that in Zambia. We used to just order complete records from South Africa, mainly. Whereby we're dealing with people like Hamilton Zimande. Those guys were very much in touch. Zimande Zimande, Zimande, Soul Brothers, under Hamilton Zimande. Then later on, okay, they they separated. The 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 Soul Brothers decided to go it their own way. So we started selling those records, but now some were coming now from Nairobi, 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 Nairobi. Then later on, we managed to to be in touch with musical distributors of Kitwe. They were getting records from outside now, distribute them to us. We made a small place for selling records. And now we're just growing, 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 growing. That was in 1970. 75. That's when we took the tinkles for recording. Well, that was a personal band for the company. The tinkles. tinkles. When you hear them say you turn and go, but no one's to say you're gone. Take yourself in the airline, then you dig in all the town. a lot of big name in especially on the copper belt then we were really now moving at the weddings hiring them and get a small piece then the rest of the money we're giving them started dressing very nice now we're very popular ourselves pd nyati which which stood for which stood for billy david nyati as a producer now not anymore a music arranger, arranger, no, but as a producer of music. Then Ichi Kuzuayo, Edward Godfrey Kuzuayo, he was a director. We were now a company registered under Zambia Music Pala Limited. Ah, now we're moving. We're stars all over where we touched. And the bookings were from Chirilabongwe up to Livingstone. And we were shining, shining, shining.
witch? Okay, um, with the witch, the witch were stars. All the band, all the band members were all stars. Uh, if there is a show going on in, on, in Indola on a Friday, Saturday, they say the witch will be in Indola. People will travel all the way from Luansha. Some will come from Kito just to follow the band. Some will come from Kawe, Lusaka, just to come and meet the witch. They were so popular and when they play on the stage, you would enjoy. The way they handle their guitars, their microphones, Jagari Chanda, he was a star. I'm telling you. There was Jagari Chanda, uh, Mulenga Gideon, uh, Chris Mbewe, uh, Johnny Muma, and uh, there was also this young man, uh, I've just forgotten his name, he used to play the, play the drums. We're going to do some kind of answers after yourself, too. There it comes. There it comes. There it comes now.
The band I played for was uh, The Witch. It had a forerunner, Kingston Market. And unfortunately, no member from Kingston Market um, came into Witch and recorded with us. They had all fallen off uh, wayside. <coughs> but uh, initially, I was still in school, and there were about three, four bands in my home, in, uh, in the town there where I went to school. The, there was Black Souls, the Peace. They, they were called the Boyfriends before they changed to be the Peace. We had the Red Balloons and a few other small bands there. Now, two of the guys from the Black Souls were my classmates in Form 2, Form 1, Form 2. So I had interest in music from a long time. But I didn't realize I would, it would land me in a, in a band. I just loved maybe to imitate. Uh, and uh, we, we had social evenings at school, so I would go and um, mime or dance to some music and things. So I got encouragement from friends, uh, schoolmates. Why don't you join a band? And then unfortunately, I was undecided. The two guys, the two guys that came from my class and played in some famous band, Black Souls, couldn't make it to grade nine, form three. And that discouraged me. I was worried if I went full time into music, I would fail my, my school, to school. But the, the age persisted that I should join a band. Until one time, one of the drummer for the Kingston Market approached me. First, they were sticking some adverts outside my classroom vocalists wanted and things like that. And my friend said, you see, now it's come closer to, you should go on the audition and things like that. And I was undecided, but eventually, the same man went and brought his manager, Mr. Christopher Kaluma. And they waited for me for the school to break off for the day. Then they approached me, we have come for you and things and things. We would like you to join our band, Kingston Market. talk at his shop, he had a shop within Chamboli, um, a grocery shop. When, after we talked, he asked me to choose anything from the shop. And I chose a, a tin of beef, uh, <laughs> some tinned fish and a few things for a schoolboy. That was, wow. So if I went along with these guys, they would be getting these things free. I was being lured indirectly. Then uh, the following weekend, I was asked to go to Ganaton to go and for auditions with the Kingston Market. And I went, I was nervous a bit, but 
I'd never played serious music with a band. I used to jam with the boyfriends, the, uh, not really the Black Souls, but, but the, the Red Balloons. And, but this time, then they said, which songs do you know? I mentioned a few songs from the Equals, Rolling Stones and things. So they said, okay, let's start with Jumping Jack Flash. I said, I know this. But then I was worried, Wait, when do I come in? <laughs> when do I come in now? Should they tell me now? Start singing or I just go in? Things like that. Timing and things and things. But then at the end of the day, they were very impressed. So they, they talked amongst themselves. Oh, he can sing, he can sing. Let's try him and things like that. So on our way back, the, the, the same manager gave me 16 quarter. That was a lot of money for a schoolboy. I went the following, uh, it was a weekend. By Monday, I went to some fashionable, um, some boutique, bought myself some shoes, and uh, a pair of shoes actually, and a flower power shirt. I meant to go and shine at the school social evening, things like that. The change, I bought my classmates some sucker sweets, uh, drinks. Now it was, you see, we told you, you should go back there and play it. But what I discovered is that my performance at school was trying to go down somehow. Because now there's this fame in school, and everybody wants to know who, who this Emmanuel Chanda is who's becoming famous and things like that. Then somewhere, somewhere when I was about to finish my Form 4, that band, the, the manager wanted me to leave school and go and be permanent resident band, some, some place along Dollar Kito Road. I didn't like the idea, so I said, no, I've only one year to go and I'll be, I'll be through with my secondary education. So he didn't like the, the, the idea and he disowned the band. So we had to look for another manager and things like that. When we found another manager, Mr. Msonda, he, he had another band. So I went behind their back and negotiated with the other manager. He only wanted two of us, John Music, Muma, and myself. So I suggested something to him. I said, why can't you own two bands? We can alternate. This week, your regular band plays. The following week, we play, or something like that. Now I said, OK, I must try you first. My band is playing this Friday. Can your band come? So when we went there, we played that during the, the break and the audience didn't want the other band back on stage. So they preferred our, my band to theirs. And then uh, it brought a bit of physical conflict with the other band, because they thought we were dislodging them from their comfort zone or things like that.
One time I saw a guy called Dr. Footswitch with a, a single, a seven inch single, and asked him where he had recorded that. When he told me, I went and told uh, my, our manager that there was a possibility of us recording some of the music that we were playing. And uh, he jumped at the idea and said, oh, find out more, then we can go and record. Just about that time, two guys from the Black Souls, or one guy, the drummer, the, the, the drummer that discovered me in quotation marks, had left the band. Okay, now the band is set. Kristen Bellway from the Twangs, Boyd Sinkala from Black Souls, John and Gideon from the Boyfriends who became the piece later, myself from school. That was the first uh, original lineup of The Wish.
Now, coming to your question, in the 70s, um, musically, we just listened to music on the radio uh, from our own stations, but sometimes we would listen to, this is Lorenzo Marrakech from, from Mozambique, uh, Maputo, before it was Maputo. There was a very nice radio station. We would listen to Beat in Germany. We had uh, Melody Maker magazines from Piano House, and uh, then two records that just came into the country. And they were, every latest was re reproduced by two record company. And we would get copies from um, Piano House. It was within the town where I grew up. So that's where we got the influence. Other than that, we had local musicians, Big God Six. Uh, the, the first influence I had was from the Rev Five. They were a Lusaka band. I saw them at one of the festivals and I thought they were playing good music. Then there was Lusaka Beatles who became the Earthquakes later. And a few, the upshoots, I would sneak from school, go and peep through the window because we were not allowed to get into bars at that age. And uh, this is where I got some, some influence. Uh, particularly, I mentioned the Rev Five because they played some familiar music, and I saw the, the vocalist very active, uh, but he was not pronouncing words of the song, the lyrics, the way I, I heard, and I said, if I were a vocalist, but make people understand the words I'm singing. So it was part of the influence, and the rest were just you go to a beer hall, open open air space and some musicians came there to perform, or the rest drank or packed beer and things like that. Some weddings, some... That's, uh, it's, it's the cosmopolitan kind of setup. Um, some, some people from different parts of uh, Zambia came to the Copper Belt with their musics. True. And the only way they would socialize is that weekends come together and perform different things. And that, that's fascinated me, actually. And there were, there were a lot of groups, except they were sort of divided into two parts of the country. The, the northern part was called the Copper Belt because most of the copper comes from there. And then this side is the, the capital city and the rest, this is southern part. And uh, uh, Rick comes from this side musically. And I come from the northern part. So we had many groups that side, they had many groups here. But eventually, around 74, we came here, we were uh, invited to come and be part of the festival. 74 April, I think they about, that's the first time that my band came in to perform to the Lusaka audience.
strange for a young uh, female artist in her teens to come out and be on stage to start singing 
to a multitude of people, backed by so many boys with uh, you know <laughs> no girls in sight. So it was. Um, I, I would say it was of mixed feelings, really. Yeah, I must say maybe it comes from the parents because my father used to play uh, in a band called the Black Voice Quartet and my mother was also um, uh, a singer and when we were born, I remember in the early days when I was in primary school, um, I would be the first one to leave the classroom because the teacher was encouraged me. He thought I had a beautiful voice but I used to feel so shy until one time we went to the club. You know, we, we had community clubs where children would go and exercise their talents. And each time we went, I would get into the way the band was playing. And those days we had barbatons. You know, there's a, a big box, then they push in something like a timber and with the rubber strings. And when they start pulling the strings, you know, the, the bass really comes out. So they identified me and I started rehearsing and I was singing. And mom didn't know about it until one particular time when she knocked off from work. As she was passing, she recognized my voice and she came to the club, asked, she gave herself away because she came shouting that you know, she should not be singing. She's just a young girl, she'll never be married, she'll never finish school. And I can assure you, I ran like nobody's business through the window, of course, and got home. And when she came, I was like, I wasn't at the club. And I decided to concentrate on my education. When I finished, I came to Lusaka.
there was a group called the Born Free. And I used to hang out with them quite a lot because, you know, that we had teen time sessions. And each time I knocked off from work, I would follow them wherever they were. And I still recall the first time that they asked me to sell the tickets because the Eagles were coming to perform. And I told them I could sing. They didn't want to believe it. Until much later, the crossbone, uh, the bone free, <laughs> merged with cross down traffic to form the crossbone. And I was told to take three polished songs for me to go and perform at Woodpecker Inn. So I got the three songs Malcolm X, Ibn Lela, and Pacha Pacha. That's Miriam Makeba. And from there on, I never looked back. And um, in 1974, early 74, Dr. Kaunda declared that he wanted mostly Zambian music to be played on our uh, broadcasting services. Then we were forced to go into the studios. And when we went into the studios, I was told, you come up with two tracks, you're also a lead singer. So I came up with two songs, Mueva uh, Bandi and Say That You Love Me. And I remember when we were recording, I was so embarrassed because, you know, it was a cultural Zamro song, kind of. And those days it was unheard of of young people, you know, to play the cultural music. I was so embarrassed, but the engineer, Nikki Ashley, encouraged me to say that song was going to be a hit. And I said, no, she's joking. But later on, after we did our Wise Man, the first album by the Crossbones, Nikki and Joskina then came up and said, we have to produce Mueva and the first before the album because that hit song was going to sell the album later on. And in about two weeks, it sold 14,000 copies. And it's always been a hit up to now, it's still a hit. That's what made me uh, to be the first female Zambian artist. Never, 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 never
because uh, the bands of the 70s were all singing Zamrock. So one would be comfortable with whichever band they performed with. And at a certain point, we decided, let's be adventurous and form up the cross witch. Because when the witch came to Lusaka from the Copper Belt, they came to stay with me in my house. So from there, we formed the cross witch band and we used to tour. Um, Zambia. Mostly we would go to Livingstone and then there was one time where all the guys were locked up except for me because now the president's late son Masujo Kaunda used to follow us. He was a very good musician, a very good bass player. So when we went to Livingstone, Wade went around to say Masujo is in Livingstone with the witch and the crossbones. On our way back the vehicle was impounded but of course I got away with murder because I was a female so all the guys were locked up but okay they were released later because Masujo didn't want to go to state house he wanted to be hanging around with us all the time and then we also did some stints in uh, Botswana the first lady then Mrs. Masiri used to run she was a patron for Red Cross we went with the witch band we had a nice time there because we had people from South Africa. This, the, you know, in South Africa, that time blacks never used to mix with uh, whites. But you'd find a group of them coming to Botswana to perform. Then I also had some stints uh, in, uh, in Zimbabwe when they just got independence with the Percy Slate. And uh, that time, Zambians started respecting female artists. Even a female musician can be a Zamrock artist later on. And I remember people coming to me asking whether I used to smoke. <laughs> we call it chamba here, because no female, young female artist would be bold enough to go on stage and to perform. memories uh, through this enculturation of music, Zamrock. There was one stint which I've never forgotten and which a lot of those who were at the University of Zambia then never forgot. That was in 1975. 
they had been studying Leninism and Marxism. And then when we went there, I started seeing Malcolm X band. Oh my God, it was hell. Oh, hell broke loose. They wanted to pull me from the stage. The band had to stop playing and zipped my boots. So the whole crowd went to the boots and then they pushed me into the club inside. But there, you know, those were the days of the jukebox. Mwevan Mevandi was playing on the jukebox. And then this the other guy says, oh, she's here. And the owner of the bar had to lift me up and throw me over the counter. For three weeks, I couldn't work. Now you can imagine what my mother was feeling. Later on, when we got independence and uh, Dr. Kaunda brought in the One Zambia, One Nation slogan, it helped unite us. Because I remember him uh, saying, man, east, west, south, north, yellow, black, or white, you know, we are all Zambians. So we started embracing each other. We were not conscious then about um, the skin and about color or language. Because you know, in Zambia, we've got more languages than any African country. We've got about 74 languages. But uh, if you look at the black power type of thing, it's also the same. You know, the peace and black, uh, uh, black power band wanted to show that, you know, you can live anywhere in America, in Africa, you know, it's the same. There's no difference at all. It was so beautiful and um, they didn't look at me as a female. They thought I was one of them. And I also didn't look at them as uh, men or boys that time. And we used to share a lot of jokes. We'd sit and share jokes 
I still recall one time when we went to Livingston, we were performing at Zambezi Lodge. And then the guys kept on saying, there's no way that this girl just goes to sleep alone in that room. When she's on stage, a lot of male, you know, are attracted to her. Today we are going to find out. And, and the drama of the witch and uh, the, the, the rhythm guitarist of the crossbones got into my room because Livingston was a very safe place. You could leave your room open, no thieves and of that kind, of that nature. And they went under the bed. And when we finished singing, I went into my room. Okay, I'm alone in the room. Took off all my clothes, went to have a shower. And when coming out, I just dropped on the bed. Then I heard some movements. <laughs> under the bed, I jumped. But instead of heading for the door, I was heading for the bathroom. And who comes out of under the bed? That was uh, Henry uh, Richard. So I was like, what is it that you are doing under my bed? No, we just wanted to be sure that you know you were really coming alone because there are so many guys who are attracted to you. So, you know, it, it was really fun. We used to have a lot of fun, really. And I remember at one time being thrown into the swimming pool by Gideon Mulenga, the bassist of the witch band, when I couldn't even swim. And when I was gulping for water, they thought, you know, I was just pretending until they realized that the situation was bad. When we went to perform in Botswana, we were staying at Polytechnic uh, College. The first show was at the University of Botswana. And uh, I never used to drink. So they cheated me that milk stout with the cream can was milk stout, and it wasn't alcohol. So they asked me to take one can. Oh my God, halfway I was drunk. And I still had to sin. Though I managed to perform, when we got back to the college where we were staying, we found the guard was sleeping and we were there for almost 45 minutes. And then I was like, I will climb, I went to national service and it was really high wire fence. And they challenged me that I couldn't climb. They dared me, I said, wait and see. So I climbed up nicely. When going down, I cut myself, I've got a nice souvenir here of a scar. When I went down to shake this guy up, he was so shocked, the guard, and he almost hammered me with his button because he couldn't believe anyone could climb that way and go inside. He knew he was just alone there. So that's how adventurous and naughty I was. <laughs> well, it was worth it because I was still a teenager. <laughs> And then the other incident was uh, in another place called Buchi. And when I performed, they kept on saying, 
We want that young girl to perform you, the which you, you know we are from here, because they are from the government. We want that young girl to perform. And they also couldn't let us go. By the time we were leaving, our bouncers were busy fighting with the rough. You know, because at every stop, the Zamrock uh, kind of music was performed in halls. Like you go to a university, there's a hall you perform there. So you get all kinds of um, audience. But of course, there were those ruffians, you know, who would be there because they felt they owned the place. Those are the ones who were very difficult. I also remember another incident in Mazabuka with the witch, where this huge guy came and uh, started harassing me. And then the crossbones were saying, somebody told them that your uh, female vocalist is being harassed. They, were, they just told him she would take care of herself. And before everybody knew it, this guy was on the ground and I was moving away. <laughs> so, you know, it used to be very nice and at times it, it was rough. One had to be very tough. Yeah. There's still a lot of sweet memories. Yeah. I remember we went to a place called uh, Wusakili and uh, we were performing there with the witch. And uh, that was a very notorious township. And when we finished performing at about 2 a.m., we were told, you're not going anywhere. You still have to perform. <laughs> so we performed for another one hour. They still were not satisfied. They still wanted us to perform until in the morning. Until we decided, no, enough is enough. We started packing the instruments. You can imagine, I also used to pack and connect instruments, equipment. <laughs> so as we were packing equipment, the other guys were busy fighting with uh, the, the audience. And uh, there was a guy who used to be a very good boxer. He was a professional, renowned boxer, Loti Mwale. He was always coming with us and there was another guy, John Mushashu. So they would be fighting the people, the, the, the audience while we are busy packing because they don't want us to stop. And then as we were driving out, we were escorted by mine police on both sides and the minibus we were in was being stoned in a small bus. We've been drinking all night together.
it really brings back sweet memories of the 70s, of which I feel this is a wonderful thing that's happening. You know, it was so beautiful, and um, they didn't look at me as a female. They thought I was one of them. And I also didn't look at them as uh, men or boys that time. Uh, from the time we were rehearsing, the time we went into the studios, and the togetherness which was there with the Crossbones band, you know, were so marvelous. You know, it's sad, it's saddening that uh, here in Zambia, uh, we are almost forgotten, extinct, if you may call it. I had a lady who had a fever And the fever was given to me Thank you for listening. This podcast series was created by Jason Kanoy of Strawberry Rain Music and Callum McNaughton of Sharp Flat Records. Much respect and gratitude to our featured artists, creators and storytellers. Be sure to watch the Story of Zamrock documentary to put a face to the voices you heard here. <laughs> Mano e Maio